Hi, I'm Coach John Cook, and thanks for joining me for today's episode of the Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast. My guest today is Brandon Pardon. For those of you from Northwest Ohio, you'll remember Brandon as a part of and the, maybe the leader of the Lincoln View Lancers high school basketball team of the mid to late 90s. Uh, all they did was uh, make back-to-back trips to the state Final Four in 1996 and 97. A state finals loss in 96, followed up by a state championship in 97. And then Brandon went on to a college playing career that saw a stop at Wright State University before he transferred and and settled in at Bowling Green State University playing for Dan Dockage, winning a MAC championship. Uh, We're going to catch up with Brandon, let let him tell his story and uh, find out what he's been up to since finishing college and his enjoyment of and involvement still with the game of basketball. Thanks for joining me for today's visit with Brandon Parton. Hey, thanks again for joining us today for the Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast. I am absolutely juiced today to have as my guest, Brandon Parton. Again, I said in the intro, those of you that are Northwest Ohio uh, familiar basketball fans, you'll remember Brandon as a part of the Lincoln View Lancers high school program in the mid to late 90s. Um, all he did was go to the state final four back-to-back appearances in the state title game. Uh, I, what? Correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon. You guys, what, lost one game in two years? Yep, yep. Yeah. Lost in the championship our junior year, and obviously ran the table when I was senior Well, I'll tell you what. I, I never had the intention when I started a podcast of bringing on guests that absolutely humbled me as a part of my coaching career the way you and some of your teammates did during your time at Lincoln View. And, and we'll get through that. But really, I'm just – as I am with the coaches that I have on, and I hope to have on some other players, I'm just really interested in the story. Uh, because it's easy to talk yeah. about. It's easy to talk about the highlights. It's easy to talk about two trips to the state final four and the two two appearances in the state title game and all that. That's that's a great big part of the story. But it's just a part of it. So let's get into your background a little bit about where you grew up and uh, your your basketball experience and, and and get into particularly your 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 first interest in it playing before you got into high school. So yeah, obviously, you know, growing up in Northwest Ohio and. A small place called Middle Point in between Delphus and Van Wert. Um, you know, basketball had been a part of my life for a very long time. And it really started to get serious when I was probably in the fifth and sixth grade. And obviously your podcast, John, talking to different coaches around, you know, talking about what step they've meant to different players and how they've, you know, brought up kids and what just the coaching in general. Like I was fortunate to play for Jim Clay when I was in sixth grade. And I think that was the first time I'd really been really coached and that's when I really got an excitement for the game and um you know obviously that kind of developed and um you know getting into the junior high and high school so it was you know starting there I think fifth and sixth grade was when I probably fell in love with the game and then obviously that just uh continued to build and build and you know kind of going through the my, my career at Lincolnview. and and you mentioned Jim and and again for Northwest Ohio folks they'll be familiar anybody that's not from the area Jim is one of the earliest guys in my recollection that, that was involved in what we would have called AAU basketball. I mean, Van Wert had a pretty well-established program. In fact, one of the first coaching experiences I ever had was as a as a high school senior and a college freshman getting to coach a group of 12- and 13-year-old kids um, yeah. through, through Jim's program. A, a mutual friend of ours between the two of us actually brought me to Van Wert, introduced me to Jim, and I, I counted a real blessing getting to know Jim. But if you, if you wouldn't mind just talking a little bit about the program that he ran and some of the other guys and just things that you experienced as a part of that program, I, I think he's done some great things for a lot of really good players. Well, I think, you know, for me, 
growing up in Lincoln View, Lancerland, um, you know, I grew up, you know, Rick Regal was the head coach. I don't know if you know Rick. Sure, yeah, um, absolutely. He, Rick was, you know, um, I loved him. Like, I thought he was Phil Jackson. I was a little kid, and, you know, some people may have a different opinion as the players or maybe even parents, but, uh, you know, I would look forward to, you know, playing for him. So I was a young kid, you know, going from kind of middle point into being word. Jim Clay ran the Killer Bee program. And to be on the Killer Bees, that meant, you know, you were pretty darn good. I was an all-star team, so to speak, and I was fortunate enough to be, you know, to try out. And he picked me to play on his team. And not only he picked me to play on his team, like, we had a really good team. But that was, you know, I just kind of fell in love with him, like, as far as the, his coaching and how he was with kids and what he did as the sacrifice that he had. And ultimately, to, we're best of, you know, friends today. I mean, I talked to Jen, you know, quite a bit. And again, just uh, to have that Kirby program, it's, it was, you know, it kind of, I mean, say went under. He stopped doing it probably about, you know, that was the band where, that was the, the, the staple um, for kids playing growing up that you wanted to be on the Kirby program. So, you know, to play for him and, and, you know, to be in that VMware All-Star team was just, I was just really fortunate. Like, I, you know, I didn't have no expectation at that time, but I really, to that, you know, honestly, didn't realize the influence and effect Jim would have on my life from that point and even to this day. When you, when you reflect back to being that age and, and creating the passion for the game and building those t- kind of relationships, uh, I mean, did you start thinking about the, the, the idea of playing basketball after high school, even when you were that young? And, and, and how did that kind of springboard you into the start of your quote unquote competitive career, junior high time your and your time early in high school? Yeah, so I think Jim had a big influence on that because when I was a sixth grade John, that was the time when I actually noticed kind of the separation between myself and the work I put in and to the other folks, right? So you start to notice that you're, you know, you're a pretty good player, but you start to think, hey, look, there's a chance I could be really good at this. And I kind of got addicted to that that gap between me and the other folks. And I think between that sixth and seventh grade is when it really, you know, that's who I became. It was a passion, almost an addiction that, you know, for what I was about and what I wanted to do. And there was nothing going to stop me. Like I, I was thinking about college basketball right then in sixth grade. Like that was when, you know, Rick Pitino was the Kentucky coach and I was a huge Kentucky fan and they were the Houston Rockets before, you know, as far as spread them shooting threes with Travis Ford and those guys. I mean, I was just, that was the pace and style I wanted to play. And I just fell in love with it. And I wanted to do everything I could to put myself with, you know, potentially, to play college basketball and you know i i had no idea that that's what you know i dreamed about it you hope for it you put the work in but you know i was very very fortunate very very blessed to, to you know obviously have that opportunity when it all was all said and done well and, and so you you're you're kind of riding that wave of of really falling in love with it realizing that you've got a a, a, a skill and a gift for the game you're working to develop the actual skill i mean the talent obviously was there and 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 you, I always heard stories, Brandon, you and I have never talked about this, but I, I heard stories uh, when I got to coach against you that that as a young kid, you know, basketball really wasn't necessarily a family thing. It was kind of your thing. Is that true? Yeah. So, you know, again, I was, you know, my dad was, I never talked basketball, God rest his soul. Like he was a Vietnam veteran. He didn't actually never graduate high school. He was recruited by the University of Michigan to play running back. And my grandmother had a, you know, a stroke when he was in high school and had to take care of her. So when sports came to him, my dad was, it was more about the, the, the army side of him, the discipline, you're going to make your bed, you're going to be home at a certain time. That all kind of trans, you know, transfused in me or infused in me, if you will. And 
again, you know, was able to relate that. So it wasn't about the basketball so much that he was giving me as much as it was kind of the, the you know, kind of, you know, the everyday work ethic. So yeah, to your point, yeah, he wasn't a basketball guy. My dad wouldn't be one to ever talk hoops. Um, he was always a good game, but we never um, push, not push. He was just, he was just a dad. He was my dad and got love him for it. And, and I, you know, I, I heard that those, not, not those exact stories. And that actually, it's fascinating that you, when you start to realize what, what your parents sacrifice uh, at yeah. different parts of their life because they have to, and then they do things for you because they want to, I think it's probably a pretty humbling experience. Um, but you also get to the point where you get through junior high and you're headed into high school. And again, you'll have to, to help refresh my memory on this, but uh, the Lincoln View High School basketball program, I guess the way I would describe it from the mid eighties to the, to the early nineties would be, was probably one that was marked by inconsistency as much as anything else. And and when you're preparing to enter high school, talk about your uh, experience through the program and what, and what the expectation was that you felt like you guys had when you entered high school. I think for foremost, I think Rick Riggle, you like him or, you know, not like him, like he created a culture with the youth program. Like I didn't know any different. I just wanted to play for Lincoln. Like on Friday nights was a big deal. After school, we would go to a friend's house and we'd play in a barn and we'd go to the games. And there was nothing more that was. I, I just wanted to be a Lancer. You know, I mean, the thought of playing on the varsity team or even JV for that matter it was just. We grew up doing it and watching it and just wanted to be a part of it. So when you know, after going into my you know freshman or eighth grade year, when Dave Evans took over the position. Look at him again. Like I say, it's Phil Jackson term. I just there was nothing more. I didn't care what the role was. I just wanted to play and be a part of something. And again, I was just you know, Dave was a guy. Even Rick, when I was in seventh grade, I was practicing. I would do shooting drills because my brother was a you know a wrestler in the, in the building. I was there. Um, you know, he let me do drills and 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 do some of the things with the actual team with the varsity and JV. So I had a you know early on experience and just to kind of you know get my. Um, I guess too, if you even, um, kind of help breed that passion. Well, and, and when I hear you talk about those guys, obviously the respect that you had for them is is noticeable, and I, th- I think it's something that maybe isn't as common uh, today as it was then that you would have that that kind of almost I don't know idol is not the right word, but to kind of idolize the high school experience. Um, isn't as yeah respect. complete respect and you know I always and, and I didn't know Rick Briggle well when I got into high school coaching Rick was and this is what I always said about Rick he had to be an incredibly well respected guy because he was the president of our district eight coaches association when he wasn't yeah. coaching anymore and and spent a long time doing that and I know other coaches respected Rick and so so Dave kind of comes in and takes over the program that that Rick created were there any noticeable differences in the program that you were a part of when Dave took over, then, then, then maybe when Rick was running things? So I, I really probably didn't know the differences as far as strategy or even coaching philosophy, right? It was just about being a Lancer. So when Dave took over the position, he was now, you know, the new head coach. So, you know, I was going into my eighth grade year. And then ultimately going into my freshman year, like even then, like, you know, we had a really good team. We went, you know, in seventh grade, we went undefeated. Eighth grade, we went undefeated. So even going into our freshman year, we thought, hey, Lord, we've got a chance to play. JV and, um, you know, really make an impact and hopefully have three years of varsity. That was kind of the expectation. I didn't think otherwise. That was, um, you know, again, going into that season, there was no expectations of me of, you know, coming in and playing and starting varsity. I never even thought about it. Obviously, you think about it, dreaming of it, but it really wasn't the expectation that, you know, I was even 
thinking about. So, you know, that was, uh, you know, that whole freshman year was a, a whirlwind. And I, I can remember your freshman year relatively well, um, you know, being in the area. Um, talk about the experience from, from the standpoint of a, of a 14 year old kid when, when, when Coach Evans hands you the ball and, and kind of the keys to the car, so to speak, was there a was there an adjustment period? Was it difficult with some of the upperclassmen, or was there a, a a period where you had to adjust, or did you guys gel pretty well right away? Well, so he actually kind of hit the adjustment, John. And I'll say this because you know what happened was going into my freshman year, we were down at team camp, camp at Wright State, and unfortunately, we had a, a kid that was in a um, had a death and a drunk accident. So we had some some kids that were got in some trouble. And we ultimately had our starting point guard, who was his name was Mike Reed. His brother was the one who was kind of a, had the fatality in the accident, so he had to leave. So ultimately, I was brought up to help, you know, just to in, in that team camp, just to bring the ball off the floor, really. I didn't think nothing of it. And fortunate for me, I after that we went to some scrimmages and in the fall, and you know, I came back from one of the scrimmages we were down in Athens, and Coach Evans told me that Brandon come down to the locker room. And he gave me a uniform. And I really, to this day, I still get to be nice. never forget number 10 going home, putting it on, and have my mom take a picture of me, putting it on the couch, and taking a picture of it, and being so green. And he just have a jersey. I have to think about playing. I'm just glad I'm dressing. I got, you know, I'm going to be able to warm up with But then going further, like, you know, some of the guys in my freshman year, it wasn't, I wasn't brought in with open arms, right? You have seven seniors that have two freshmen starting varsity. That wasn't, you know, people didn't really like that. And we weren't extremely, you know, a great team either, right? So it was Coach Evans really going on a limb saying, listen, I'm putting all of my my confidence in these two kids. And listen, they're going to help us get to a point. Um, and again, to this day, I just love Dave for having the confidence because not, not a lot of people would have, I don't think. You know, the times have changed, but back then not a lot of freshmen played and or played, you know, the kind of minutes that we played, especially, you know, we went 13 and 10 as my freshman year. And it was a big risk for him. And again, I still, I'm, I'm so glad he did and take it. I mean, he may give you a different answer, but um, I was very fortunate to play for him. Very fortunate. Well, and, and I, I, again, just from, from being fairly close to it and observing it, I, I can remember that first year being, you know, a, a little bit inconsistent, which I think is going to happen when you're playing a lot of young kids. Do you recall anything from that freshman year that was a, a, a particularly good learning experience for you? It was funny because, John, my freshman year, like my first game, so we're playing at Pauling, I never forget it. And I still, even going to that game, I don't know if I'm playing all JV, if I'm playing Barca. I have, a, I have both uniforms. We have kids that are suspended. And I asked Coach Evans after the last practice, said, you know, what, you, do I bring a Barca uniform? He said, yes, bring your JV one. So we end up going, and the JV, I'm warming up, and I'm out in the starting lineup. I'm sitting on the end of the bench with, with West Dudgeon, and here comes first quarter down. I don't go in. Second quarter goes down. At the end of the third quarter, Coach Evans said, let's go. And I'm thinking, what do you mean let's go? Like, I haven't played a lick. I'm going down to get dressed for varsity, right? And I walk in the locker room, and I'm not kidding. I walk in, and I can never forget this. Look up to my left. I see the board. It has my name. And next to it is Chad Young, who's a starting point guard for Paulding. And I just – I was ecstatic, nervous. I mean, I can't tell you all the feelings that I was having. I was – I mean, and obviously, then there's eyes on me that are seniors that are having the same, right? So they're – these guys are, are pissed that you know, this guy's out here warming up with JV. Now he's just starting varsity. I mean, what is going on with our pro? Like, I mean, again, there was all these different things. So that was, you know, for me as a freshman, I was, I, I didn't want to make anybody upset. I'm just here to, I just want to play. 
And we ended up getting beat by 39 as our opening game, right? So we're, you know, ultimately just was feeling the fire of what the heck is Dave Evans thinking? Putting these two freshmen out there to start varsity. I guess Evans actually a very good party team that underachieved. But sure, I think yeah. that was the moment after, when we came after that game, I remember Coach Evans bringing me down to the locker room. And I shot twice. I had five points. And he said, Brandon, like, I didn't bring you here to shoot twice. Like, you have to play. Like, you're the best player on this team. Like, I'm, I brought you up here for a reason. And we played out of the next night. And that was, I don't know if we won in overtime. You know, end up having, like, you know, maybe 18, 20 points. And it was just, you know, I could see the tide changing, right? So the, the seniors kind of, not, you know, after two games, but kind of accepting, like, hey, this is, this is going to be okay. And I had a couple seniors that really accepted you know, me and kind of like, hey, this is, you know, your team and we'll be good if you play well. And um, and it just it got better as the season progressed. Right. So we started off three and seven. And with the idea, like, you know, what's you know, what's going on? And Coach Evans actually had this. We got beat by Antwerp, who only won one game that year and coming back after the three and seven. And he was thinking about bringing us back down to JV. And had that conversation with us. I mean, he didn't want us to use illusion. Right. He didn't want us to. You know, it was just a mistake bringing us up, and, and it wasn't. And I was like, listen, I'm, you know, I'm here now. This is, we're 10 games in. Like, you know, I'm learning, like, this is my team. Let's go, right? I'm a freshman, but, you know, I've kind of accepted that role now. And because he had instilled that in me, he was a big part of that. Because I wouldn't have been able to otherwise, really. Because I didn't know, you know, that's a lot. I wouldn't put that on anybody. Um, and, again, I couldn't, I can't still to this day, like, he is, you know, to give me that opportunity, but I'll just have the faith and the conversations that we had and the confidence to have in somebody like that's, it's a lot. And we ended up turning around, obviously going from three and seven to 10 and 13, um, you know, going and, you know, and losing to, you know, the district semis, which we had a chance to play in the district finals and making a run. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, my freshman year was, um, there was a lot of ups and downs, but, there's so much experience that you just, I'm just so fortunate to have had, right. That helped me in my career as I, you know, went on. Well, and, and you get through that freshman year and, and at that time you, 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 you know, your schedule was in the Northwest conference about, I think your freshman year, upper South Valley won the, won the state in division yep. four and, and you're competing against that kind of, of talent, those caliber of guys. Again, from the outside looking in, it felt like your somewhat your high school career was a little bit of a blur to get to those two years of, of being in Columbus. Talk, if you would, a little bit about the time between the end of your freshman year and maybe that start of your junior year. When when did you really feel like the expectations got to where Columbus was – it was kind of state tournament or bust for you guys? Yeah, John, I'll tell you, this is – when it hit me the most was at the end of my sophomore year when we lost the district finals to Ottawville. A team that we beat by 25 during the year – that we expected to be in the district finals and make a run to potentially everybody was hoping that we would run up Liberty Benton because they had AJ Granger and you know Andy Butler. Yeah. And that was the expectation, right? And not that we overlooked them. I don't think, you know, maybe some did, but you know, that was the worst loss. I played in you know, tens of thousands of games in my life. It's the worst ever. I can't put like I still think about it. <laughs> and I remember being, you know, Rick Snyder was on the J V staff at that time. Um, had passed a few years back, and he was another one. It was just so good to me, something I loved dearly. And he was obviously a farmer, and you know, out of the, you know, there the the you know the grain elevator, and you know, he was so disappointed, and I was almost so sad for him and myself. But it was just, I remember thinking on the the, the ride back to our you know that our our gym, like I'm never going to let this happen again. Like I would do everything in my power 
we just, I mean, like, we, we, we're going to run the table. So that was kind of, and it wasn't just me, it was the rest of the guys, too. I mean, it's, it took a team. And, you know, everybody just had the same mindset. And after that, that sophomore year, that's when, you know, it just came together. Like, this isn't happening. We, we're going to dictate, you know, our, our, our next two years. And, and essentially, that's what you did. I, I you know, and I, I hate to cut out your whole junior year, but let, let's jump to the experience uh, in Columbus because you guys had, you know, you were tested on your tournament uh, run, no question, you were tested. But you, you get to Columbus, and you're not really a hundred percent as a unit. You yourself wasn't weren't a hundred percent when you make it to the title game, correct? Yeah, I mean, again, there, there, people were some banged up. I was also. You know, going from your junior senior year, your junior year was, you know, the un- the unknown, right? You grow up as a little kid going to watch Jimmy Jackson by the tournament. So you go there every year with the idea, like, I want to be on that stage. I want to be at John's Arena. And going from your junior year to do it, come up short, to your senior year, the difference is you've already been there, but the expectations are through the roof. Like, it's all or nothing. You can't, like, there's no... You know, you almost plan sometimes not to lose. That's what we came up against my, my senior year. I thought we, there was time we played a little tight, thinking, hey, we were the best team in every game we played. But you know, there was games I thought, we, you know, we're playing, we'll just get out of here get to the next game. Uh, we weren't playing as loose. I mean, see, that was the biggest difference that I think, um, you know, from the two senior year. Well, and I'll tell you, you know, when you guys went through what you went through your junior year, I mean, it was it – was, the, the the state tournament, the two games were incredibly demanding and, and, and took a lot out of you guys to come back the following year with the focus that you came back with, I think is, is commendable. But I tell this story with an ungodly amount of humility as I tell this, because it's, it's a little bit embarrassing for me to tell it, but I, I did it when I had Frank on the podcast, Frank Kill is, you know, the, the team I coached at eight of that year was, a, was a 16 win team. We had a, we had a solid team. We went seven and three in the Northwest conference and, and we go to your place, um, you know, as a coach, my job is to get our guys to believe they can win. And they did. And we, we get to the half of a game and it's, it's, I think the halftime score was 25, 17. And you guys had scored right before the halftime buzzer. We were thinking we could get to the half in a two possession game and, and, and feel really good. And I tell this story and I still can't believe it's true, but the third quarter, you guys come out with whatever was said at halftime, and I'm going to guess it was less than polite because I don't think Coach Evans was super happy at halftime. In fact, Brad Mendenhall tells a story, told me a story years later about Coach at halftime of that game. But long and short of it is you guys come out and, and absolutely destroy us in the third quarter. It's the most lopsided thing I've ever heard. You outscore us 35 nothing in a high school quarter. And, and I tell that story simply to tell this part of it because the fourth quarter opened with your starting unit on the floor and, and, and I can remember the first possession of the fourth quarter, we went to make an entry pass, and Wes Dudgeon was up denying the entry pass, and he lunged and growled. The effort level that he was giving to contest an entry pass when the score was 60 to 17 was unbelievable to me. You're, the, the focus that you guys had, I know that's, a, that's an odd story, but on that night I came out of there thinking, you know, I don't know how you get a group that's supposed to win the state, to compete every single night at this level, but and a lot of the credit's got to go to you guys as individuals, but that was something to behold. Well, I think you're exactly right. Obviously, I think the individual itself, you know, you have, we just have this, this bond. I can't even describe it. This is kids that grew up together, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, like all the way through to have seven seniors right, to come through, but all, like that was, it was, as personal it was to me, it was less than the other guys, you know, you know, people understand, like, Frankie Kill was a fourth option on the team. He would have been the best player on, 
you know, three-fourths of the Northwest Conference teams, right? And he had an unbelievable college career. I mean, he was an unbelievable player, but most people understand, like, he played his role perfectly. And when this time shined, I mean, he obviously in the state tournament, I mean, that's what was so, so good about our team. I think Coach Evans had a big part of that, too. I mean, people can say, you have all these kids, and they're talented, but, you know, to motivate kids night in, night out, I think Coach Evans, you know, it just doesn't get talked about enough of how – good he was of you know he really got after me he really got after some of the other guys and would really push you and he understood again what made you work and what made you tick and how again he could get the most out of you and I think that's from coaching that's hard right I mean you know you when you're expected to win you, it's easy to get complacent and I think um coach Evans that's you know he was managing that and he did a great job with it well great and I, I I think it you know it, it sometimes it, we almost assume that it goes without saying that if you have an undefeated team, you're going to get coach of the year in your league and whatnot. But it, it's the work to balance uh, people's egos and people's yeah. emotions and dealing with expectation when you are dealing with 16, 17, 18 year old kids. But I, I told Coach Evans once a long time ago, and he won't remember this, but I said, I really appreciate you going 20 and 0 in a year that that the team I coached went from four wins to 16 and a 30-game conference losing streak to seven wins in the league. I said, most years I'd have had a shot at coaching here in the conference, but, but you, guys, you guys were 20-0 and 0 that year. And, and, and again, 20-0 and 0 with the idea that, that that part was kind of the preamble. That, that wasn't necessarily assumed that it would happen, but it was understood that your season really started when the 20 games were over with. And, and, right. and you started that journey uh, to the to the state finals, and you guys again got you got tested in the district. You got tested with, by Lipsick in the regionals. That was a fantastic high school basketball game yeah. uh, that, that you guys were a part of. And you get there and you, you win the, the the state tournament as as was expected. If you don't mind, I'd like to go ahead and take our break now, and I want to come back and get yeah. into talking a little bit about your your recruitment and and your journey toward college and the experience that you had in college. Yeah. All right, we'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the second segment of my conversation with Brandon Pardon of Lincoln View High School, and maybe I should more appropriately say Bowling Green State University. I, I think we'll get there, but that was an awfully big part of your basketball journey. But Brandon, I want to talk a little bit about uh, maybe the behind-the-scenes part of your high school career, because you, you obviously had some summer experiences that created some exposure, and you played yep. on a phenomenal high school basketball team. When did the when did the initial part of the recruiting process start for you? So really what happened is after my freshman year, and obviously you you know know this very well, Upper Sciota was you know state champions that year, the boys and girls. So I had my best game of my career against the last game, our last home game, or actually, it's a it's a three point game at halftime um, against this team with a team that obviously we're you know they're you know the best in the state, and that was the first time I got a letter from Bowling Green State University after that game, Larnaga. But Jim knew me as a kid to coach my AU team when I was in sixth grade, and with Keith Noss, which is kind of you know back when college coaches could coach AU program. So Jim knew who I was. That was the first kind of letter that I had received. So that was kind of the initial start. And obviously I started getting a lot of letters from, you know, a lot of the Ohio Dominicans, Western Ohio Northern, um, even Finley when I was a freshman, and just kind of, you know, keeping tabs, obviously being a decent player from Northwest Ohio. Um, but as I got older, what happened, going into my sophomore year, um, and I actually, we talk about coaches having influences on your life. Coach, you know, Sagerson from LCC was at five-star camp 
so I got invited to a, um, it was a new prospects going into your sophomore year. And he actually drafted me and pulled me up to play in the upper division. So I was playing with a team with, you know, Luke Recker, who was already committed to Indiana, Nate Johnson was committed to Louisville. Um, Mike Lewis who was already committed to Indiana. And I was actually kind of the backup to this, but it gave me so much recognition. And just because he knew who I was and really believed in who, what I could help, you know, help his team. And I still, this day, I mean, I was so fortunate that he did that. And that was a big part of bringing my, you know, college recruitment. So teams knew who I was. And that's the first time that Xavier had seen me play. And they recruited me really hard, you know, even going into my junior year. Um, and obviously going through my senior year, I had, you know, probably 15 to 20 division one offers. And um, it was, it got kind of crazy, but ultimately just trying to figure out the right fit. It was, um, and Coach Evans was a big part of that as well. Um, a big part. I mean, he was sending tapes and I can't tell you how much he did. Like back then it was social media wasn't even a thing. Cell phones weren't a thing. Like he was doing so much behind the scenes that uh, I know now even, I mean, at the time you don't even understand what a, college, a high school coach is doing. And he was, I mean, again, he was doing it night in, night out, 24-7. So. Talk, talk about dealing with the season that you're trying to, to play through as a senior and all the expectations and the, and, and the schedule that you guys played and, the, the, you know, the, the goal that you were chasing and trying to balance that with, with sorting out and making a decision uh, about college and how that was for you. You know, it's funny, you know, it, basketball was, it was all business. I mean, like we were thinking about winning, but obviously my end goal, like I never like didn't think I was going to get a division one scholarship. And that, that's not, you know, arrogant. I just, I always, you know, I worked and I worked and I thought that would be the case. And it's, it's so hard to do. And, I was so fortunate and blessed to even have the opportunity to play at any level, right? I mean, basketball is, you know, college basketball, it's, it's um, the level of he's getting between Division One and Division Three. is not a, a huge gap, um, especially now. So, you know, I just wanted to play college basketball, especially have the opportunity to play Division One. I was just so fortunate. Um, but to be able to balance that, it was Coach Evans did a really good job of kind of keeping us tuned in. He would, you know, even the, the coaches that were coming in to see us, like he would tell me, not all the time who was coming. And I think, you know, as a 16, 17, 18 year old kid, like, you know, I, I can understand why, um, you know, as much as I'd want to know, I think he was trying to, you know, you know, balance, make sure what was right. And, um, but then afterwards he was always, you know, letting me know who was here. Um, you know, this is what they're talking about. This is who wants to talk to you. This is what, you know, that they're talking about. This is what they need. Um, would you be interested? I think, you know, again, I can't Coach Evans was such a father figure to me. And that whole process, like I just, you know, again, I'm very fortunate to have somebody like that. Because, you know, again, my dad wasn't, we talked about earlier, um, you know, he just wanted what's best for me. He wanted me to get a good education. You know, if I wouldn't have went to college, I would have went to the Army. Like that was kind of, that's what he did. That was the route I would have taken if I couldn't play college basketball. So I was fortunate to have Coach Evans during that to kind of level everything out um, as we were going. And he, you know, again, he was, he was fun of this. And and all, all things considered, with what you went through, what what was it ultimately, or, or or was there one thing? Maybe it was a collection of things. What was it ultimately that that led you to right state with your initial decision? So there was a couple things. So I think as a 17 year old kid, like you know, I only wanted to play Division One. I. I wanted to play in the NBA. Like I never, I never blinked an eye. I thought that would be the case. Like I just dreamed about it. And Coach Schilling was at the New Jersey Nets um, prior to that with John Calipari. He was the youngest coach in the country at 31. Um, he was a five-star guy who actually got to know at five-star. So as far as development, all of that, like he had a name. And then obviously Rob Welch was graduating as a senior. So the point guard position was wide open for me to play right away. 
So a lot of things that went into that, but you know that was a big part of it. Knowing that I was going to be coached by a young coach, had NBA ties, so to speak. Um, but also, like I was going to have a chance to play. Like my role, I think you know, and that, and that came true. And and I had a really good fortune about that same time uh, of working Coach Schilling's camp, and and again. I'm, I'm not here to, to promote anybody. You, you, there, there are different uh, opinions of, like, like you said, with Coach Evans. And if you coach long enough, there are going to be people that appreciate yep. what you do, and there are going to be people that are critical of what you do. Uh, you know, Coach Schilling was a guy who uh, was, was in, in some ways, a product of his experiences. I mean, he's the only guy in the history of the game, and he, he promoted it well that could say that in a 365-day period, he went from being a high school coach in Indiana to coaching in the NBA. And, and that's a, that's a lot to be able to put on a resume and promote. And he, he got the job at Wright State. I think there was a great deal of, of anticipation about what might be possible there at Wright State. Talk about your experience there at Wright State in the time that you spent in Coach Schilling's program. So, and again, Coach Schilling was great. Like, people think, when I say that, well, you transferred. Like, he was the first person I was ever teaching me really how to work out, you know, from a ball handling to really developing my skills, right? Because when I was a kid – even through high school, like I, I would work out, but it was more, I just played all the time. So it was all repetition things, but coach Hilling was able to put me in ball handling, two ball stuff, situational things. And there was an understanding of why I'm doing what I'm doing. That was the first time I'd ever really been introduced to that part. Well, that's what I, I, I carried that to me, even to when I was playing professionally, like I, I, you know, even though I left there, that was the biggest part that I got from him was he was, as far as player development, there's nobody, nobody better than him. None. And again, my personal experience with him, it wasn't about that part. It was more about how I thought I was being used and what I was going to get the best out of my career. And after what, 10 and 18, my freshman year, we had enough talent. I just felt I wasn't being used personally, like where, you know, how I could help a team win, right? And my role, and I'll do whatever it takes to win. I just, and I didn't think winning was, again, not to say it was not taken, it was taken lightly, but it just wasn't demanded, right, that I've been part of, like, with Coach Evans, like, it was, like, we're going to give him excellent for you know, and college is a little bit different, because you have so many games, there's more games, and you have to prepare, and, you know, that was, you know, me being immature, too, right, I mean, I did understand some of that, but I also did understand what I wanted to get out of my career, I just felt like, after my freshman year, I got a lot out of it, I had time, I played, was on the other team there, in the Horizon League, as a freshman, and, but, I just felt like, you know, moving forward, I, that, to get the best out of my career, I had to find somewhere that fit my style of game. And that's why I ended up doing why I transferred to Bowling Green. And, w- and when you made the decision to transfer, how how early did you make that decision? Did you make uh, How early did you make Wright State aware of it? And, and how many schools did you consider? So what happened, actually, when I came back in the summer after my freshman year, I was working at a construction business um, at Workman Brothers, and Coach Evans was actually part of that. And I kind of told him my frustrations. And we had, and again, we talked quite a bit. Like, he was my sounding board, and he was somebody that I definitely respected, and, um, you know, he you know, a lot of decisions I was making. But the biggest thing was, like, Coach what, Coach Evans, what if I was to leave, you know, can you ask around and make sure I have a place to go? I just didn't know. Like, I thought I would. I thought I had a great year, but, yeah, I don't want to leave just to leave, and I want to make sure that if I do leave, is there somewhere else that's a better fit for me, right? You know, if it's not, it's not. So he had made some calls and actually called Coach Moss, and I kind of – like, hey, listen, they would take me in, you know, they would love to have me. So I knew I had a spot. So as soon as I knew Bowling Green was an option, whether I didn't know that that was going to be where I was going, I just knew that I had a place to go. Um, you know, that's when I decided to transfer. And when I decided to transfer and they released my name to the AP, I, I got contacted by quite a few schools. 
Um, I visited Miami. I visited Butler. Um, and I could have visited a couple other schools. But when I visited Bowling Green, I just – I knew that's where I wanted to go. I just – I mean, after talking to Coach Dockage, um, it's a funny story. I tell pretty many people this. When I was at Rice State and they released me, so Coach Dockage actually recruited me a little bit of Indiana when he was there. But obviously when he got the job at Bowling Green, I was his first offer. And Coach Knopf being there, it didn't work out. And I was going to Rice State. So – when he called me, he says, uh, um, this Brandon Parton, I said, yes, Coach Dawkins. He goes, are you interested in Bowling Green? He was like, and, uh, he made some colorful words that you, you know, you blanked me the first time around. <laughs> and, uh, and again, I just, you know, I, it's just transparent, blue collar camp. I'm thinking, did he just say that? Like, that's, and he's like, you come up here to, to watch a game next week. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try to get up there, Coach. He's like, no, are you coming or are you not? And I'm like, yeah, I'm coming. Like, you know I got up there. It was just, I, you know, we sat in his office, and I knew it's really not fair. I told mom and dad, "This is where I'm going." And not just because of that, John. It was who he was and what he was going. Like he runs a motion offense. He loved how I play. He loved the pace I played. He really recognized, you know, me being a winner, and ultimately how I could pass the ball in a motion offense. And he was pretty much handing me the ball after I set out of here, which he did. And it was perfect, absolutely perfect. And I actually. You know, looking back, I don't regret going to Rice State first. Or people say, well, "Would you want to bowl at Green first? No, like I, I learned how to get better. You know, Coach Schilling had to become a better basketball player in development, and Coach, you know, Dockage helped me become a better college basketball player, right, in a team aspect, and helped me, you know, decide to be a big part of a, a winning team and a MAC championship team. So, you know, that process was, you know, crazy, but it was also I was very fortunate to have both of those coaches. They had such an influence on me. Even, you know, Coach Schilling, I still. A little bit of contact. Obviously, Coach Dawkins I have a great relationship with. And you talk to these coaches you talk to on your podcast. It's just people are seeing the influence that these people have on people's lives. I'm just, you know, I've had so many have such an influence on me. I'm just very fortunate. Well, and and, and I would say that's certainly correct. I mean, you, you know, you played for Dave in, in high school. And I, and I think if I had to use one word to sum up Dave Evans as a high school coach in general, it would be underappreciated. I, I think he was very underappreciated in the midst of the great run. He's been certainly underappreciated uh, since that happened because it's been 20 plus you know years since, yeah. since that was uh, something that was top of mind for people. But, uh, and I appreciate what you had to say about coach Schilling, because I think if there is one thing that he would, would be undenied in is that he has a, a real gift for, for player development, skill development. Yeah. And, and, and it's what he does does well and has done in, in a lot of different college programs. Um, but but playing for Coach Dockage had to be um, it had to be a unique experience. It had to be something that I, I guess my take on it from the outside looking in, Brandon, would be to say that you can either play for Dan Dockage and if you, or you can't. And if you can, you've got a chance to have a, a great experience that benefits you a great deal. If you can't play for Dockage, it's not going to be very much fun. I'm uh, telling you, John, I'll be the first to tell you this. So. I transfer in there, right? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking this is, you know, I want to play for this guy, and I'm a transfer year, right? I'm, I'm not playing a game. I'm just practicing. I come in during the winter. They're coming off of a game. And I come into practice, and he's cursing running. He's yelling at me like as if I'm the starting point. I'm going to leave it there. Never forget this. I'm with my now wife. We're going to win. And I'm thinking, I don't know what she's doing. Can I transfer again? Like, I don't know. This, this, may, this may not be right. You know, I'm thinking, this guy's crazy. Absolutely crazy. And I had to figure out, again, like, it wasn't so much how he was saying it. It was what he was saying. And that's a time. Man. I, it wasn't always great. You know, I, my first year there, especially my transfer year, gave me a chance to really get to understand him. 
And I say, I don't know that I still don't understand him. Like, there was times I'm just like, this guy, he's just crazy. Um, but he was so passionate. He worked his tail off. And he cared. You know, and he cared. Like, and I knew that. And, again, he put his arms around me. I mean, he, I'm not playing 37 minutes a game. So, the things he's saying to me, you know, again, he's giving you the expectations. And he wanted me to leave this team. And he knew he could, right? There's a way that he could say things to me that – and we had a lot of conversations afterwards because I'm like, Coach, I, you know, I don't know that you should have said that and or how you said it. And, you know, it was more of just, like I said, understanding how and what he was saying more than, like, how he was saying it. Well, you know, and, and I think that that's an invaluable point for, for young players to hear too is every coach is going to have a different personality no matter yeah. what level you play at or how many guys you play for. And there's a more across-the-board feeling now that play, that coaches try to be – cognizant of, of, of being players, coaches and whatnot. I can remember Coach Dockage saying once at a clinic that he spoke at was, I, I don't care to be known as a player's coach. I want to be known as a coach's coach. He said, yeah. you know, when I get fired, I want other coaches to say, what the hell did they fire him for? He does a pretty good job. But the truth of the matter is, no matter who you're learning from, the value is in what they're saying, not how they're saying it. Yep. And I think that's a, a really, really valuable lesson to take away. Can you Can you talk a little bit about in your time at Bowling Green, uh, when did you start to think about the possibility of a playing career after college? You know, you, you think about it, right, as, as you're going through. Like, you know, I always wanted to play. You know, the, I told you about before, the NBA. And, but as I got towards the end, like Coach Dockett and I had numerous talks about my future. I had an elementary education degree. I wanted to teach and coach. So literally after my last game on the Butler, where we got beat by um, NIT, I had a conversation with him. About he's offered me a position as an assistant job at Bowling Green as a coach, and I accepted it. And so it was kind of how this all transpired. Like I literally thought that was the role I was going to be. I was going to be a college coach. I had my own deals. You had coaching. That's that's what I was going to do. That's what I was going to do. And what happened? I ended up playing a, a pro am, and like I say, a pro am, Liberty Benton. There was a um, there was a bunch of teams coming in there playing. Um, some you know professional athletes from Europe and Steve Watson, who was the, he played at Bowling Green was Eastern Michigan's a uh, AD at the time. And what I was doing, I took the assistant's job at Bowling Green. And he goes, why aren't you playing? And I'm thinking, well, you know, I got an opportunity here. I mean, it's, it's uh, where I want to go. And he was like, can I put you in contact with my agent? And I said, yeah, absolutely. You can. And I had a conversation with coach Dockage and he's, you know, said, Brandon, if you can go play, you need to go play. And I had a contract in two weeks later and, he was so supportive. And, I mean, again, I was very fortunate to, you know, obviously get offered a position as coach, but to have somebody that understood how fortunate you could be to play professional basketball and to support that, right? I mean, it's um, he backed it 100%, 100%. So, so what, was your, what was your playing experience like, and how long did it take you to realize, wait, I'm not, I'm not in the States anymore and I'm not in college? Yeah, so, you know, ultimately when I was a – I went to France. My, my first contract was in France. And the you know, you just don't know. Like the language is tough. The other American was named by the name of Marcus Maven, who was played in Lebanon the year before was a Louisville standout. It was awesome. Like one you know, guy I could talk to about the experience prior, but just you know, we just hit it off and you know, talked about life experiences and you get to get, get to know people and but you're away from home. And I was my now wife was, you know, we were engaged at the time after my first year. I was fortunate enough to get a contract back and playing in Austria, um, which was, you know, awesome. Like I said, I was very fortunate to have it, but it was, you know, more Americanized. It was just a better situation altogether. So to have two years playing professionally and making money, um, 
playing basketball. I still, I mean, I'm, I'm so blessed to have the opportunity to do that. It's just very lucky. What what was re-entry like after your your professional playing days were behind you and re-entry to, to to back to the grind that we all have to embrace when we're done playing we're done with college what was re-entry like and were there any lessons that you learned from your playing career that helped you get through maybe the the, the rough spots in in, in kind of getting back to, to quote unquote normal. Okay, John. What happened? I had a knee injury in Austria. I had surgery over there. I had planned on playing 10 years. I want my kids to be born in Europe. Like, that's what I was kind of my plan. Um, there was a living to be made, and I thought I could do it. And um, I was playing well, but I have a knee injury. And they decided when I came in, I was like, I'm going to be done. I was homesick. My wife was homesick. I told her, I had two years. I'm going to move on. You know, I'll tell a teacher and coach, and we'll move on with what we're doing. And to your point earlier, like, it was really, really hard for me. Um, and I say really hard, it was because basketball had been my identity. Yeah, I always thought about, you know, preparation of my body, my skills, like, that was gone. I don't have to do that anymore, right? And there was probably a little bit of depression that comes into that. And, you know, understanding, like, listen, like, you know, having this great career and all these things, like, I don't have to do it anymore. Like, it was still enjoyable to me, but, I, you know, it was really hard to accept that at, at the beginning. It really was. And I was just newly married. We had no kids, so... You know, I'm still working out. So, you know, my wife was working a little bit. We had a little apartment in Van Wert and trying to figure out what the heck her life's going to entail. You know, what's going next? Am I going to be a teacher? Am I going to be a coach? Am I, you know, and what happens is I started getting to play again. So I was uh, going to the Y every day and I started going to the Lincoln View High School and, and working on, you know, doing my basketball stuff and to where I kind of leaned towards going back. And my wife actually kind of called me out on it saying, like, what are you doing? And it just kind of had to come to Jesus, and we decided, you know what, I'm, I'm done. Um, it's time to, to move on. And, um, and again, it gradually gets easier, and now it's easier now that, you know, where I'm at in the stage of my career. But it was tough at the beginning. It really was. And you, you've had what I would say is considerable success in sales. You've done extremely well for yourself. And I, I, I say that because I always – I have a tendency to point back to people that are a part of team sports for a big part of their life. Um, they, they tend to be successful. Uh, they, they tend to figure things out. And, and I think that the, the team sport experience is a big part of that. Um, when you, when you look back over your, your professional career now after basketball and not being involved in education, not being involved in coaching, do you still feel like there are things about your playing experience that impact the success that you've had in the business world? Yeah, I think that's, uh, uh, you know, the biggest takeaway I had for me and what my dad instilled in me as a little kid is that this is really working. Like, these are all the transfers. And no matter if you're playing basketball, if you're playing the violin, if you're, you're or no matter your grades, like, it's, if you can instill that into what you're doing every day, right, you can be really good at anything. And be successful at your job and your career. Um, these things are transferable. And I think what, you know, I was able to see myself my dad instill that in me. Um, you know, I didn't get into sales. Like, I was fortunate to get in to a, an industry that still has a scoreboard, so to speak. Um, that was, you know, it's very competitive, and that was kind of how I, you know, work. And so, again, to make competitive work at the best of point, I guess this stuff, I think, transfers and allow you to be successful in life as well. Uh, that's a valid point, and I'm glad you made it. So now that you've had some time um, – having success professionally, getting established with, with your wife, you have children now, um, you're getting to experience what most of us do that are passionate about the game is you get to experience that time when it's, it's now about your kids and not about you. 
Uh, talk a little bit about your, your your kids and their involvement, maybe in the sport that you love and how that's going. You know, John, it's been uh, I'm very fortunate. Obviously, when I my kids were really little, obviously you, you hope that they're passionate about anything, right? And obviously, biased, like I, I you know, I want to be passionate about basketball. But to see, you know, my boys, Pat, even my daughter, for that matter, I have a son's going to be a freshman, and son's going to be seventh grade, and daughter's going to be in fourth grade. And they all love it. Um, and I love twins. I love coaching them. I've coached all of them. But it's also, there's nothing better to watch one of my kids compete, but it's also not nothing better than being, being a dad and letting somebody else coach my kids and see how they respond. And um, that really, you know, is what it's about for me at this stage. And I'm excited for all my kids. I think this is they all uh, love it and you know have a chance to, to have decent careers i mean who knows i mean there's a lot of work that goes into that you just you never know uh, i'm just going to support them and do the best i can and give them the nuggets that I, you know i have that maybe i would i didn't have when i was you know their age but you know you try to you know be a parent be a coach and it's a working document it really i don't have the answers i'm, I'm learning as i go um you know even from a coaching standpoint i learn all the time i mean i learn from you know, there's guys you had on here from, you know, Coach Fraley to Coach Bagley to Kevin Sense. All these guys are so knowledgeable and had different experiences. And I love hearing different stories and listening to different people talk about, the, you know, how they came about. And so, again, to be able to try to help my kids, you know, some of those things, I'm just uh, do the best I can. And we'll see what happens. And your your, your older son, you said, is going to be a freshman. He and has he, He's playing AAU basketball this summer or has? Yeah, so he actually plays uh, – on the, the Space Indy Heat program here in, Indi- in Indianapolis, Fort Wayne. Um, and then my youngest son plays in Northwest Ohio's program, which he's played for numerous years. I coach that team um, with him, with Rob Welch's program. Um, like I said, my, my daughter, she's just in fourth grade. She just plays with the school program. I, I, I guess I, I didn't plan on asking this, but I'm going to ask it. When you when you have the connection that you do to guys like Rob and Al and the program that they run with Northwest Ohio, um, you know, I, I think – Brandon, I'm 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 a guy that feels like there's just a certain tag that gets stuck on AAU programs, and they all get lumped into into a certain category of either positive or negative, and most of the time it's perceived as negative. But talk a little bit, if you would, about the the, the Northwest Ohio program and maybe what separates it from some other AAU programs. I'll tell you, you know, John, it's one of the best I've ever been around, and I've been fortunate to be. Rob has let me be part of it, help coach since I was in college. I've helped coach these teams, you know, gosh, numerous years. They just do it the right way. I think they really, you know, they try to, you know, get the most out of their kids. They, they get local coaches from the area to help push them. They have a good system. They play together. I think they try to do it the right way. And, again, even some other programs don't. I just think there's a difference between why that team continually is successful every year. And there'll be teams that, on paper, they shouldn't. And it's just because of what they are and what the program is. And I think Rob is just, and Al especially, like Al is a wealth of knowledge. He's never been around him. The most competitive person I've ever seen or been around. But to this day, like, he just does a great job getting the most out of those kids. Um, and again, there's different programs, like my son's part of the Indy Heat program. Like, they do a great job. It's a different deal because it's a, it could be a revolving door. Like, they're looking for the best of the best all the time. And for your kids, it's like, that's, that's the program you can choose. It's not for everybody. Um, yeah, I get nervous about it, but I think the coaching is good. I think, you know, that's the biggest part. I just want my kids to be coached. Um, and I think that's one thing Northwest Ohio does a really good job of is they're coaching the kids. And that's, again, I think for any parent, um, that has their kids playing summer basketball, that's what you, that should be number one, right? Having fun, but ultimately being coached, learning, getting better. 
And, and I, I love hearing you say that. I, you know, I, I've never been involved in, in high level AAU, but put together teams to, to ever since Jim let me coach uh, in Van Wert when I was younger, I, I've tried to have teams in the spring and summer when I could. And with my own son growing up, we put together teams um, you know, because he wasn't going to be probably good enough to, to, to go make a team that was, was highly competitive. And, and part of the reason I, I told him when we put together teams, I said, I, I want you in the gym working on your game. I want time with, I want time with you around the game because I think we connect over that. But the other thing I said to him for the three years that we did travel or four years that we did travel basketball, is I said, I want you developing relationships with other kids yeah. and, and, and playing with other people other than the kids you grew up with, because, you and I know this and kids don't know it is your, your basketball experience is over really fast. And, and the, the more relationships you can build and the more experiences you can have, the better it is for you. Um, and I, I want to commend you for saying that you, you like to have your kids be coached by other people too, because I think there's just uh, an un, unrealized sometimes benefit to letting somebody else be the voice of authority and, and, and forcing your kids to, to respond to it and grow through it. I think there's a, a ton of value in that too. So uh, I, I'm glad you, you you get to coach your son sons and, and maybe get to coach your daughter, but I think it's it says a lot that you want them to be coached by other people, and I think there's a, a ton of value in that. Brandon, I, I could sit and do this. We could talk ball forever, and uh, I'm having a blast with it, but I told you we'd try to keep it to an hour, and we are, we are right up at about 56 minutes uh, right now, so – uh, I just want to tell you that there's a pretty good chance I may want to want to have you on uh, another podcast down the road, particularly if we, if we get later and it looks like we might have a season. Uh, I, I just like to have guys with perspective on to, to talk the game. But one of, I want to wish you and your family the best. Hopefully we all get through this this pandemic stuff somehow, some way in relatively decent order and, and we can get back to something resembling normal. But, you know, you're, you're off the hook here because most of my guests are coaches and I ask them to send me a T-shirt. You don't have to do that. You, you can just be my friend. We'll be all right. I got no teachers, brother. I'll be your friend for sure. But <laughs> I can't appreciate you enough, man. I think what you're doing with the community, with the coaches, I just think it's – I don't always love hearing, but it's just – everybody's got a story, and everybody's different. I think everybody can learn. The game's always evolving, and if you're willing to accept that and, and learn from it, I just think it's – basketball's been very good to me and, again, uh, to a lot of people. So I think I uh, appreciate what you're doing, brother, and I'm, I'm, I'm available anytime. Well, I appreciate it much. I, I said to somebody the other day when I went into coaching like I did, as young as I did, and it – it, it didn't really go very well. I, I guess part of the podcast for me is just a realization that I, I you know, I, I'd lie if I say I'm not disappointed in my coaching career, but the realization that I came to is my 20 plus, almost 30 years in, in coaching at some level has has left me with a ton of relationships that are, are beneficial to me. And if, if, if doing the podcast can turn those relationships into something else where people telling their stories brings some sort of joy or some sort of benefit to other people, then I feel like I'm at least serving the game in some way. And, and that's important to me. That's absolutely important to me. So I appreciate you. And uh, it's funny how, you know, 25 plus years ago, we, we crossed paths when you were a player and I was a coach. And the next time I hear your name, you're living in Tampa near my brother. Uh, and, and that's kind of how we reconnect, but that's just the way it works. And I'm just, I feel fortunate to have had the opportunities I've had to meet people. The platform has been great and guys like you and the stories make it worthwhile. So appreciate you and uh, stay by your phone because down the road, we'll do this again. Yeah, absolutely. John. Appreciate you, man. All right, brother. Take care. Thanks so much for listening again today. 
If you would like to listen to previous or future episodes of the Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast, you can listen on Spotify or Google Podcasts as well as several other podcast platforms. Please review, rate, and subscribe. And if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do so at anchor.fm backslash john-cook. That's J-O-N-C-O-O-K-0. Anchor.fm backslash john-cook0. Thanks again. Hope to talk hoops with you again real soon.